Hey, welcome to Alex Listens, a podcast by me, Alex, where I talk about um, philosophy, maybe, ethics, maybe, race, maybe. Um, I talk to cool people. You should go and listen to some other episodes after you listen to this one, because I think they're really good. Um, and so, so do a few other people, and that's really nice. Um, yeah, so how are you? Uh, maybe we've met, maybe we haven't. Um, if we haven't, you should get in contact with me somehow, um, or send me an email, um, contact at alex.co, uh, follow me on Instagram, alexlistens, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm going to keep this introduction really brief because I tend to make longer ones, but today I'm going to spare all of you. Um, so yeah, uh. First thing, um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting it. Um, a lot of people have been like, hey man, I want to support it, but like I keep forgetting to like click on the link. But like, what the hell? Like, just click on the link. Um, you can support the podcast on Patreon. It's really easy. You just need to click like one button. Um, you should do that. It will mean a lot to me and it will help me uh, afford stuff to keep the podcast going and. Um, yeah, I guess the more support I have, the more time I'll be able to spend making stuff. So if you enjoy it, support it. Um, and that should apply to kind of all of the creative projects that you draw meaning from and that you engage with, because it's important to support creatives. Um, second thing is, uh, this, what you're, you're, what you're going to hear today. So I'm going to play you, well, um, you will hear audio from a video that I made about Michel Foucault. Um, and maybe you should actually watch the video on YouTube, but um, because there are, there are like one or... Really, it's only one or two bits where I um, say things and then I'm like, oh, like there'll be an image on the screen. And I guess that won't make sense if you're listening to the podcast form. So I apologize about that, but maybe check it out. Um, I'll put a link in the bio if you want to watch the video because it might be interesting to watch because you'll be able to see me and apparently I gesticulate a lot and I move my, that means I move my hands around. doesn't mean anything weird. Um, so yeah, um, that's it. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a cool person. Um, get in contact with me if you like episodes like this and you have any other ideas, Send me a message on Instagram, send me an email, visit my website, www.alex.co. That's a lot of information, but um, hey, it's that kind of world. Um, anyway, enjoy, enjoy, the, enjoy Michel Foucault, who's really interesting. Bye. So today, um, I'm going to be talking about Michel Foucault, uh, a 20th century French anthropologist, philosopher, social critic. I'm not entirely sure what you'd call him. Um, and there are many, many reasons why I've decided to do an episode just on his thinking. Um, but one of them is because I feel I personally, as someone who's tried to read his work and has struggled um because it's very uh confusing and very abstract um but i feel like there aren't many theorists or philosophers 
or social critics who are as uh, as important to think about today um, in 2020, which is a really long time um, after he died, but also after he was writing. Um, I think he died uh, in 87. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, I'm sorry. I don't he yeah i don't have the dates written down all i have written down uh i don't know if you can see this um yeah foucault whoops foucault power knowledge surveillance um those are the three things that i'm going to talk about power knowledge and surveillance um yeah okay so who is Foucault? I guess I've already told you. Um, he died of HIV. Uh, he was gay. Um, and his main things, the main things that he spoke about and the main things that he wrote about were power, um, how individuals relate to each other, what it means for us to relate to each other, um, and uh, knowledge. So how our epistemic the things that relate to the things that we know how our epistemic horizon so all the things that we know how that influences who we are and how that influences the way we engage and interact with the world with others with ourselves um and the last thing that i said was surveillance um and this is the thing that is kind of i think the most masterful part of foucault's theories and Foucault's theorizing um so yeah I guess Foucault has pretty much anticipated all of the changes the tech changes um in the 21st century that have moved us closer towards uh mass surveillance um think about Snowden um that prism the prism software security surveillance thing that the NSA were using Think about um, the social credit system in China. Think about the increasing kind of presence of CCTV. And anyway, I'll get to all that kind of stuff later. Um, but that's just a kind of brief summary of what I'm going to be talking about and why. Um, so let's begin with the first thing. Also, this is totally unscripted. Um, this is how I do my stuff because but I guess it's a really kind of hedonistic reason um but i enjoy it the most like this i really like the way it feels to kind of free flow through thoughts and stuff um and yeah i guess if you're looking for something super scripted you're not in the right place um sorry okay um topic one power so what does foucault say about power um, well, one helpful place to begin is a kind of binary distinction that he uses and that he relies on in a lot of his, um, writing. So Foucault speaks about soft power and hard power. Um, I'll begin with hard power first because it's a bit easier to understand and a bit easier to explain. Um, so hard power refers to things like the law and um, things that are codified and things that are um, 
I guess, obviously telling us not to do something. So hard powers say, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't jaywalk. Don't steal. Don't, um, don't not pay your taxes. Um, yeah, that, uh, hard, hard powers, I guess uh, the most, uh, the simplest way to put it is hard powers tell us what, what to do and what not to do explicitly. Um, and I guess what's helpful about hard power is that we can look it up. Um, we can ask a law, the law agencies, law enforcers, police, whatever. We can look at legislation and we can see what we ought not to do. Um, and then I guess from that, we can extract some vague lesson about what we ought to do. Um, and yeah, um, I'll talk about this. I'll just kind of uh, foreshadow or um, signpost the idea of normativity. Um, I guess what is normal was something that is, that was of great interest to Foucault um, because hard power kind of explaining that certain behavior is right, certain behavior is wrong. All of these things contribute to our understanding of normativity and um, how we ought to behave. Um, yeah, okay. I hope that was sufficient. Um, so soft power. Now, soft power is a fair bit more confusing uh, and abstract and more difficult to kind of isolate than hard power. Um, but that's entirely the point. So soft power refers to the kind of forces on the individual, which... Uh, the forces on the individual which kind of mold them into the, into the person, um, who, the kind of person who they are. Um, and that is a very strange concept to think about um, because the, ex the existentialist philosophers, um, I did an episode on this, uh, kind of, um, it's called on being philosophy, the philosophy of being, you should listen to that. If you're interested in, um, the existentialist philosophers, I also wrote a blog post about it. Um, you can look at that too. I'll put links in my bio, whatever, but the existentialist philosophers, um, they, a few of them like, uh, Sartre and, uh, Camus, uh, a lot, they think that we have this kind of radical and really powerful freedom. Um, so we're, we're so free that, that we can kind of make what we want of the world. Um, and that we can draw a difference between who we are and the influences of the world. Um, and so, so Foucault's claims about soft power undermine the claims of the existentialists because, and I agree with Foucault. I don't think that we have, I don't think that we're ever so free that we can't, that we can escape the kind of constraints of that society places on our, that society place on our identity. I don't think we can ever get to a place where we can say, I exist totally free from the structures around me. Um, 
I am not influenced by my family. I am not influenced by the people around me. I am not influenced by my peers. I don't think we can ever say something like that. Um, And the reason why we can't say something like that is because I imagine a lot of the time we're unaware of the influences that the people around us have on us. Um, It's very hard to quantify. How do I know how much a relationship is impacting me? How do I know what psychological influence my parents had on me when I was younger? Um, These are very difficult things to think about because it, it almost feels like it's part of the human condition to be unaware of this kind of stuff um, because maybe it's not that helpful. Maybe it impedes on how much we're able to do um, because if we're constantly thinking about the way things influence us and if we're always able to trace kind of uh, the way something has influenced us, if we're able to trace the way we behave back to a way that it's influenced us, maybe that's really cognitively demanding. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure why we have a hard time influence have a hard time understanding how things have influenced us but soft power refers to all of those things the way we're socialized the way we conceive of the world the way people around us conceive of the world um and a lot of the time uh we don't know how i've yeah i've already said this um we don't know how kind of the way we've been socialized has defined us, has informed who we are. Um, and that's that's precisely Foucault's point. Um, soft power is nebulous, it's unclear, it's undefined, um, but it's extremely powerful. It molds us. It provides us with a basic understanding of what's right and what's wrong. Um, but not, it doesn't codify it. There isn't a book of soft power influences. Um, we, we look to others. We look to our parents. We look to role models. We look to other people's behavior to try and figure out what we ought to do, what we ought not to do. Um, and maybe a lot of this is subconscious. Um, it's, it's hard to tell. Maybe it's something worth uh, taking a moment to reflect on. Um, okay, so... Basically, that's what Foucault thinks about power. Um, Hard power, soft power, these things. We can't ever escape relationships of power. Um, The world is essentially one big playground of varying power relationships. Um, Yeah, think about all of the kind of... Here's another thing that um, Foucault talks about. Um, Think about all of the relationships of the different kind of hierarchical power relationships that we're constantly engaging in. Um, I'm a student. Uh, I have a professor. The professor talks to me in such a way that they explain things to me. And because of the nature of the relationship, um, I'm supposed to treat them as having some kind of expertise. Um, And... And expertise is another thing that Foucault talks about. Um, So built into hierarchical relationships, parent-child. I don't like using the word hierarchy because I feel like it's been totally taken by like the Jordan Peterson kind of uh, bro who's like, yeah, bro, like 
hierarchies, man. We're all lobsters. Um, but whatever. Um, because, yeah, I guess these relationships are hierarchical. Parent-student, sorry, teacher-student, parent-child, doctor-patient, expert-novice. Um, and for Foucault, what is important about these relationships is that one person or one body or one group of people are claiming to have access to the truth. Um, and, and they are trying to share that truth with people who aren't learned, with people who don't know the truth. Um, and we are supposed, the people who don't have, don't have access to the truth are supposed to trust that the people with access to the truth are going to do the right thing. And that they actually have access to the truth. So, um, Nietzsche, a German 19th century philosopher, Nietzsche talks in his book, uh, The Genealogy of Morality, um, which is a really interesting concept. Um, a genealogy is a family tree and he try Nietzsche tries to trace um, morality back to its point of origin in order to truly have an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Um, and in that book, Nietzsche explores the relationship uh, of the priest and the sinner. So the person who is uh, the person who has transgressed and then the person who has access to the truth. So for Nietzsche, um, when we go to the confession booth, which I've never done, um, but when the sinner, the person who has transgressed, when they go to the confession booth, you know, they say, oh, father, I have sinned. I've done X, Y, Z. And then the priest goes, oh, well, here is normativity. <clears throat> um, here, are <clears throat> here are the ways that you ought to think about the world. Here are the ways in which you ought to behave. And then as the sinner, you're supposed to kind of mold your existence around the ways of being that the priest has told you are the appropriate ways of being. Um, and for a long time, that power, and currently still, I imagine there are many people who rely on that relationship for, the mor for moral guidance and for moral instruction. Um, and... And that, that's a very powerful dynamic. Imagine the kind of power that you'd have if you were able to tell someone that this is what is good. This is what is bad. Um, and Nietzsche, Nietzsche thought that that was a problem because he thought that it took away what it means to be a person. Um, what it means to be a strong person. Because when you turn to that kind of... When you place so much authority on that kind of figure, you relinquish your capacity to self-author. You relinquish your capacity to define the world yourself, um, to think about things yourself. Uh, and maybe I'll do another episode on Nietzsche, but for Foucault, the reason why this is fascinating, that kind of hierarchical preacher, transgress, transgressor, that relationship Foucault thinks is eternal. And it just changes shape occasionally based on like what context society or what the kind of priorities of society are. 
So I guess in the 21st century, a big priority of Western countries is medicine um, and therapy and, and psychiatry. Um, and psychiatry is what Foucault would call an expert discourse. Um, and an expert discourse is... So a discourse, I guess, refers to a set of things that are being said about a particular topic. And an expert discourse is something which has been granted kind of superiority or great strength or, um, you know, it's kind of self-justifying. It doesn't need proof that it's the truth. It just is the truth. Um, and so when we go and see a psychiatrist, Nietzsche and Foucault would both argue that essentially it's the exact same structure as the priest transgressor. You walk in, you say, hey, um, I've got some problems. I'm doing some stuff wrong. Then you explain why you're doing things wrong. You explain how you're doing things wrong. Um, and then the psychiatrist has this amazing power to kind of say, yeah, you are doing things wrong. Be like this. Don't do that. Like, stop this kind of behavior. Start doing this. And you're supposed to walk away and be like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, I was doing it wrong all along. Um, and then, you know, you change the kind of person who you are and you begin to frame it and mold it around the conception of what is normal behavior that you're provided with by the psychiatrist. Um, again, look at these crazy, look at these, uh, look at these power, look at this power, look at the power. Like, the, it's, yeah, it's hard to just, if we think about morality, it's amazing that, it's amazing that we are able to place such faith in anyone because after like a psychiatrist has had amazing training you know well i hope they've had amazing training they've been to university for a long time they've learned a lot about pathologies and neuroses and whatever and then we're supposed to trust them um when things go wrong in our head um or when we when we begin we're supposed to trust them when we begin engaging with the world in a way that is abnormal. And they're supposed to direct us back to normativity and to normalcy. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a very strange concept um, that we, we feel as though we can give someone, we feel as though we can give someone like, we can give someone that power and we can give them that control over our lives. Um, because who are they? Like, they're just a person. Yeah, they've got some training, but really, like, they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, but maybe that's the only way that society can function if we do kind of place that trust in people. But Foucault would say, hey, like, it's an expert discourse, right? We trust it. We place a lot of faith in it. But how do we know that there's not going to be another social change? Like, what if there's, like, Enlightenment 2.0? What if we move from, like, we move from, I don't know, a society where the priest was the purveyor of the truth to a society where 
in terms of what is normal, the psychiatrist is a purveyor of truth. What if there's going to be some other, like another leap? What if like enlightenment 2.0 is a jump from um, medicine to something new that we don't know yet, that we're not familiar with? Um, and what does that mean for for morality? Um, if morality is being articulated by someone in a new position that, yeah, like how, how, yeah, I guess Foucault, the question that Foucault is encouraging us to ask is how do we know that these relationships of power, how do we know that they are true? How do we know that they are doing the right thing? Um, what even is the right thing? What is the concept of right? What does that mean? Um, but it seems quite strange that so frequently we place amazing authority in the hands of certain people who have access to certain discourses, um, to the doctors, to the lawyers, to the politicians of society. We, we give them amazing authority over our lives. Um, and we can be critical, sure. Um, I'm very critical. I'm a very kind of, I'm a skeptic. Um, and I imagine that, yeah, I know many people who are kind of skeptical of the authority of certain groups. Um, but really, like, you know, if I go, if, if, if I'm unwell, you know, I'm going to trust the doctor. Um, and I will feel safe. I will feel more safe in the hands of a doctor than I will in the hands of um, someone who hasn't had medical training. Um and why is that? That's because, yeah, one, it's empirically, most of the time, it's empirically tested. And, you know, we ought to have faith in things that kind of, that seem to be truths or they're truths until they're um, disproven. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Foucault nudges us to think about these things that we do in our life, where we kind of suppress our own inner narrative about what the world is going to be like and then we give we give authority to these other people um and that's that's it's just a strange thing that we do and that you know the worst thing the worst thing for Foucault is if you don't actually know that this is something you're doing um and if like you've gone through 50 years of your life without realizing that you're surrounded by relationships of power and you have power over some people and some people have power over you and you're kind of negotiating all the time between, you know, uh, what am, what are you giving me? What am I giving you? Like, how, how is this working? Are there some situations where I'm expected to give more? Like in this position, presumably me as a, as like a person on YouTube who's talking about a person, Foucault, presumably I have, I've like you, the listener has granted me with some kind of authority um, because I'm talking about this person. I've assumed the position of someone who is an expert or whatever. Um, and that's really strange. Like it's strange how our relationship with knowledge almost demands of us like a kind of an entering into that relationship. Um, but obviously not all the time. Um, there can be really kind of equal relationships where people 
kind of, you know, there's bilateral or omnilateral communication and there isn't like a hierarchy. There isn't the teacher-pupil dynamic. Um, yeah, and I mean, in an ideal world, we would have those relationships in many places. Um, but maybe a question that we need to ask is like, should we, like, should we, should there be positions like doctors and stuff in society where we kind of unquestioningly trust them? Um, yeah, that's something to think about. Um, and that's something that Foucault would encourage us to think about. Um, do, do we just trust these people because they are experts? Um, yeah. Okay, so I feel like I've spoken about power and knowledge a lot. So those are the first two. I don't know if you can see this. I'm sorry if you can't. Power, knowledge. Number three, surveillance. Three. Okay, um, I'm going to talk about that now. Um, yeah. So, I decided to speak about surveillance last because I wanted to kind of set up the... Foucauldian framework. So the relationships of power and knowledge. Power informs knowledge. Knowledge informs power. There's kind of this confusing hard power, soft power thing. Then there are expert discourses. There are people that we kind of grant a lot of authority to, to tell us about the world. Um, and and maybe maybe you're kind of suspicious of everything that Foucault has been talking about. Um, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't like his kind of rendition of power dynamics and um, and knowledge. Um, but I think one thing that one thing that is extremely important to think about is the way that power can manifest in the world. Um, so one way that power can manifest in the world uh, is in surveillance. Um, and a lot of what I've spoken about so far has hinted at the uh, hinted at an at one idea of normativity. Um, and what is normativity? Um, what is considered normal? Um, there are some people who say, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm just a normal guy." Um, we often describe people as being unusual or strange or weird. And presum presum presumably, that's because they are those people who we describe. I don't know, like, I often tell people that I'm a pretty weird guy. And like, what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm deviating from a normal, like a normal way of engaging with the world? Um, what does it mean? Does it mean that like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but like normativity is, yeah, normativity is this thing. It's this thing that we, like some people want, some people don't. But like hard power, the laws and stuff, I imagine that an objective of the law, you know, punitive law, law that punishes people, um, that it it tries to render and kind of secure and maintain a conception of what is normal. Um, because what is normal is what is safe. And what is safe can be trusted. And 
you know, if there are, we want to live in a safe society or whatever. Um, okay. So surveillance, um, I'll begin with the panopticon. Um, and the panopticon is a prison system that was designed by the utilitarian philosopher, Jeremy Bentham. Um, and Jeremy Bentham is in a box, like he, like his body is in a box at University College London, which is where I'm studying. Um, and you can see his body, like his face. He like wanted to keep his face in a box at the university. Um, maybe he was a narcissist, um, probably. Um, it's really weird if you're ever in London, you should, you should go and look at Jeremy in a box. Um, yeah, it's really strange seeing like, I don't know how old he'd be like, I don't know, 200, maybe, maybe older. Um, no, when was UCL founded? 1850, maybe. So yeah, I don't know, 170, 160. Um, but yeah, it's very strange. Anyway, Jeremy Bentham designed this prison structure. I'll put an image of it here. Maybe that's helpful. So, um, the prison structure, uh, it is essentially a, there's a watchtower in the middle and the watchtower has glass that has one way glass. So you can only see from inside the watchtower to the outside world. You can't see inside. So if you're outside the watchtower, you can't see what's happening in the watchtower. And then around the watchtower are the cells with the prisoners. And the prisoners have one-way glass. So, oh, well, maybe they don't. don't, I don't think it matters. But actually, they probably don't have one-way glass. Um, And I'll get to that. So the prisoners just have normal glass. So you can see, the prisoners can see out but they can't see into the watchtower. So maybe they can see each other's cells. Um, but the th- one thing that they can't know, they can't ever know if they're being watched because they can't see into the watchtower. They don't know where the person in the watch or the people in the watchtower are looking. Um, and Foucault takes this idea of the panopticon and says, this is one of the ultimate forms of power and one of the most nefarious and wicked forms of power. Because if you don't know that you're being watched at any given point, um, you begin to, and, and let's say you don't want to be punished, you begin to kind of self-regulate. You begin to kind of... L- you begin to mold the kind of person who you are, mold the kind of person, yeah, who who you want to be around the things that, the behavior that isn't punished. So let's say I'm walking down the street and someone jaywalks and there are no police around or anything, but there's a security camera that's filming that road. Um, and then that person gets a fine and somehow I find out and then I begin to think shit like what if I'm being watched I probably shouldn't jaywalk I don't want to fine and then I change my behavior but no one needs to say anything to me 
The law doesn't need to tell me, don't do this. There's no hard power. It's just kind of soft power. I'm being nudged. I'm being pointed. Go this way. Do this. Don't do that. Whatever. Um, and, and I guess, you know, we, at least I don't feel like I live in a prison. Maybe some of you feel like you live in a prison. Um, but as we are more and more surveyed, as we're being watched more and more, um, it feels like we, we can be less and less certain that we're not being watched and that, you know, like, you need to go to great lengths to to avoid being spied on. Like you need a VPN to avoid a virtual proxy network to avoid um, to kind of scramble your IP address. If you don't know what a VPN is, um, <laughs> your uh, yeah, your internet security has probably been jeopardized many times. Now I'm just fear mongering. Um, uh, and yeah, you know if you want to do some weird stuff, you go onto the dark web, whatever, um, or you download a, uh, like a really encrypted browser. Um, yeah. And, and all of this, the surveillance and kind of not knowing whether you're being watched, but also knowing that you don't want to be punished. You kind of embody all of this fear that, you know, someone is going to tell you, someone's going to show up at your door one day and be like, don't do that. Or like, you're going to get locked up for being bad. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of, you change the kind of person who you are based around an image that you've created yourself of, or that you're kind of being given of what is acceptable and what isn't. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know if any of you have seen that black mirror episode where there's the kind of social credit system ranking, like, if you jaywalk, you lose points. If, you know, you give someone a compliment, you get more points. I don't know, something like that. And I think um, China has implemented a similar kind of social credit system where, you know, lifestyle decisions and that kind of stuff can influence how likely you are to be employed. And then if, you know, you're not acting, you don't act in a good way for long enough, you lose so many points that you're not allowed to travel anymore. You lose your passport. Um, and employers have access to your social credit ranking and kind of your history of petty crimes or whatever. Um, and yeah, think about, think about the kind of psychological, uh, psychological impact of not knowing whether or not you're being watched. Um, and for Foucault, we have reached, if he was alive today and he was aware of the ways in which we are watched by governments by other, by foreign governments, by whatever, by companies, Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, whatever. And, you know, our voting tendencies are being influenced by the ads that we receive. Well, think about advertising. What's advertising trying to do? Advertising is trying to tell us that consuming one thing or doing one thing in particular is going to make our lives better. We'll be happier, whatever. Um, and if Foucault was around, uh, he would be I think he'd be terrified or maybe, maybe he would just think, wow, like we have really reached, um, a very sad time in our species where I imagine lots of people don't feel like I have a friend. Um, and one time I asked that friend whether they ever 
feel like whether even when they're in their room, whether they act as though they're not being watched and they said no, they always act as though they're being watched as if like, you know, your webcam is spying on you or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think that's really, that was really upsetting to hear. And I wonder what that does for people's self-expression and for their ability to kind of share the truest innermost parts of themselves with the world. Um, Maybe, maybe in some cases it's good that people aren't sharing their truest innermost selves. But um, I don't know. Like, I imagine a lot of people have a lot of beautiful stuff to share. Um, so yeah, that's what Foucault thinks about power, knowledge, and surveillance. Um, thanks for watching. Um, if you want, if you want to hear some more stuff, go on my website, listen to my podcast, Alex Listens. Um, if you found this video helpful, please let me know because I'm only going to make them if people find them helpful. Um, so yeah, comment on the video, whatever. Um, send me an email, please. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Alex Listens, Alex, A-L-E-K-S. Don't you dare write A-L-E-X. That's not good. Um, yeah, otherwise support me on Patreon. Um, I'll put a link in the bio, uh, and tell me what other stuff you'd like to hear. Who other, which other theorists would you like me to talk about? Um, yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, until next time, have a nice, I hope now you're enlightened and you can walk around and you'll see a security camera and you'll be like, I know, I know what you're doing. Anyway, bye. Day, okay, kinda like a travel down a one way. There's no way to stop feeling okay. It's not great, it's more like I'm great.